All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Hope it's a payday for you. Hope that the boss decides to take a three-day weekend. You know what I'm saying? Just get on out of your hair. Let you just kind of finish up the work week. Get ready to go spend your cash. Hopefully you've got some big plans this weekend. Maybe, just maybe, you got some college baseball in your future. Going to be a wet weekend in Oxford as the Bulldogs and Rebels get together. We'll get into some of that. We'll preview the series. We'll look back at what happened on Wednesday and kind of where things stand right now within the SEC pecking order. We'll also address the um, recent decommitments to Mississippi State football. We'll get into that, what it all means. What 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 do you think going forward? What should you expect going forward? And all the things that go along with that. First and foremost, I want to thank our fine sponsors at Campus Bookmart, Stan, Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there at Campus Bookmart will treat you like family because in their mind, you are family. You go by, you find the latest in maroon and white fashions, you get the latest in Mississippi State memorabilia, novelty items for your home, your RV, your pet, whatever. Whatever there is that can have the Mississippi State logo or Mississippi State message on it, it's going to be found at Campus Bookmart. And if you can't make it to town, or maybe game day is not a good shopping day for you, we invite you to visit them online at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. We'll save you shipping on all orders over $50 by using promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And again, that's free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. So since we were together last time, Mississippi State knocks off Memphis and come behind fashion. As you guys are well aware, Mississippi State gives up a seven spot in the first inning. And it's one of those things, if you're going to give up a big number like that, it's good to do it early. you got plenty of time to come back, and Mississippi State certainly did. The immediate concern when something like that happens, even in hindsight after you've won the ball game, because you survived that, and of course there is this 
bonding experience. There's just this breed decor, I guess, that is built, and the players begin to believe, you know what, we are a great team. We can overcome these things. We can always battle back. We believe in one another. And so that is a great elevator of emotion as you prepare to go to a very hostile environment in Oxford. And, and perhaps the hostility in Oxford will be beaten back a little bit due to the weather. Uh, but you know that it's tough to win on the road, but especially at a place like uh, like Oxford. But you know the last time Mississippi State was up there, Mississippi State swept the ball game. Uh, but I don't expect State to sweep this weekend. Think Ole Miss has got a great offensive team. We'll get into some of that. Uh, but it's nice to have a little juice heading in, and that was one of the things I think earlier in the week when people were saying, you know, Ole Miss doesn't have a midweek game; they'll get some rest. I, yeah, I really think having a ball game like we had on Wednesday might be more of what the doctor ordered for Mississippi State. You know, you, you come off last weekend, an emotional win on the road. You went two of three at A&M, and then you come back and you come from behind, and uh, and, and you battle back and win that ball game. And so right now, there's, there's a lot of confidence, and baseball is really a confidence game. It's very, 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 very much predicated on, on confidence and, and you kind of the mental psyche of your team. Right now, your team's feeling great. Uh, but Keegan James has a rough outing. And uh, so I spoke with Coach, Coach Scott Foxhall, and I will have a, a Q&A up for Gene's Page VIP members later today. But I spoke with Coach Foxhall just kind of about how do you manage that? You know, when you have a guy that uh, that hasn't pitched for a while and he's kind of been chomping at the bit to get back out there, and then he goes out there and he and he has a subpar effort. You know, he has, you know, an outing that is, that is certainly under his own expectations, but also that of the team and, and puts the team in a big hole. You know, how do you kind of manage that? you know, as his position coach. And and, uh, and Coach Fox is great. You know, one of the things that he said is, you know, during the baseball game, you know, his immediate concern is winning the baseball game. You know, we've got to manage the guys that are out there and uh, not really manage the guys that, that are not out there. You know, we have to focus on the task at hand and calling pitches and locations and how you how do you feel, that sort of stuff. He goes, yeah, you pass Keegan a couple times in the dugout there and you hey, keep your head up, it's all going to be okay. And then we come back, we win the ball game, and he said the first person he grabs post game is Keegan James. It's kind of sits, you know, hey, listen, it's going to be okay, we're going to be good, and he he believes that Keegan is not far off, and Keegan's got big time stuff. It's just a matter, I think, of having the confidence to kind of throw it in the strike zone, not be scared to get hit, because here's the reality of things: Mississippi State doesn't get to Omaha last year without Keegan James. I thought the way that he pitched against Vanderbilt, you know, was really a difference maker for for State, and uh, you know, it's getting around that time of the year. You know, and maybe, you know, maybe this is when he kind of elevates his game. And listen, you're not going to have to have a four starter very often. But if you if you get hung up into one of these regionals, or if you get a little elongated in Hoover, you know, you're going to need, you know, a guy like Keegan James or Brandon Smith or somebody to kind of come in there and be an opener for you and get you through the order a couple times. And so, uh, but the bottom line is this: is um, we get through this weekend. Next week is probably the last really loaded week that should tax your pitching staff, uh, certainly in a regular season, because we know we're going to play four games in five days. We'll open Tuesday against Louisiana Tech, a team that that beat the snot out of LSU this week. And then we'll have South Carolina coming in, and the Gamecocks are just pretty much playing out the string. This weekend they could be eliminated from the uh, SEC tournament field with a, a series loss. So, It'll be interesting to see how they approach next weekend. You know, and we can't afford to let our guard down. We've got a lot left to play for. Mississippi State now with just seven regular season games left. And you begin to look at that and say, okay, State is capable of winning all seven. Well, I don't expect that. I think you can do no worse than five and seven. Uh, but, you know, if you can find a way to win the series at Oxford this weekend and then sweep the week next week, that really, really puts you in a prime position headed into Hoover. Uh, the latest D1 baseball projections have Mississippi State projected as the number four seed in the NCAA tournament, which a number four seed obviously would give not only State a host regional, but should they advance a super regional and by being the four seed, you know, a, a pretty good bracket uh, there there in Omaha. And, uh, you know, UCLA being the, uh, the, the number one overall seed. And then UCLA followed by Vanderbilt uh, in Arkansas. So I, I like the way that whole thing would lay out. But the bottom line is we've got to win ball games between, you know, over the course of the next eight days. I mean, begin to think about that for a second. You know, we're, we're going to play uh, at Oxford tonight, hopefully, tomorrow, hopefully, and then Sunday. We could see uh, two sevens on a Sunday. A lot of rain expected up there. But you begin to think about that. We're going to play three games this weekend. 
and turn it right back around and play you know, four of the next five. So we're going to play a lot of baseball here. Uh, we've got some guys that obviously got, got some work uh, Wednesday night. That's one thing Coach Foxhall mentioned is, you know, it turned out as, as bad as things started for the ball game, you know, it turned out to be a good bullpen night for us because they pretty much held it in place. And other than, uh, you know, Tristan Barlow, st- still location is a little bit evasive at times for him. Uh, when he is on, he's deadly. But he's having some trouble sometimes throwing that breaking ball for a strike. So as a result, people are kind of sitting dead red fastball. But he walked a couple of guys, got himself into some trouble, and then there was the interference call against Memphis that was not called. Now, technically, by the spirit of the rule, it was interference. But here's the deal. And uh, when I coach high school baseball, and it's difficult to get people to understand because player safety is, is paramount. But if you don't make a throw, then technically they're not, there cannot be interference. And people go back to when Dustin Skelton was called for interference. It's because Justin Skelton, Dustin Skelton, uh, you know, that they threw down Dustin st- kind of steps into the, the plate area, and it was interference. Well, other people don't, don't like it. But because you make the throw, that's what kind of justifies the interference call. There can be no interference if there is no attempt to throw the baseball. Now, in that situation, State likes to throw backside. When there is a double steal, they like to throw to second. And there's a couple reasons why. Number one, it's usually the trail runner is the slower of the two because immediately everybody's thinking lead runner. But you throw backside, you've also got a couple defenders out there. If you throw the ball wide at third, there's only one guy over there, and he's got to get a tag down. You throw the ball to second, you've got you know, a middle infielder backing up the other. And so it is a, it's kind of a, a budget play there. You know, when you begin to look at things, you, you can kind of make that whole thing work. But the bottom line is, if you don't attempt to throw, and that, that's kind of experience. That's, you know, that's Luke Ellig's, Luke Hancock kind of working his way back into uh, into college baseball. But you got to at least attempt to throw. Even if you don't complete the throw, you at least got to attempt to throw because they're just no official. And and listen, it was great to see Chris Lamonis get fired up. That's probably the most animated that I have seen him this year. Because, yes, technically, in the spirit of the rule, it, it is interference. But in order to get that call, You've got to attempt to throw the baseball. Even if you don't throw it, you've got to attempt to throw the baseball. And then you could always make the argument, you know, we attempted to throw, and then he pulled the throw out of, out of concern for player safety. Uh, but, you know, if, if a guy is out of the batter's box and he leans into the plate or he kind of leaks back in after that swing and gets into the throwing lane of the catcher and uh, you make the throw whether the guy's out or not, they're going to go ahead and ring you up there. That's just how that's how it all works. So Memphis, you move on from that. Uh it's going to be an exciting weekend in Oxford. And it's the last true road trip of the season for Mississippi State. Because anything else the rest of the way, unless State just tanks and, and finds themselves on the road in a Super Regional if we're lucky enough to advance, and I think we will be, this should be the last time that you play in an opponent's ballpark. If things go to script, State will play at Oxford, come home for a four-game homestand, to close out the regular season, go to Hoover, which is a neutral field, and then come back and play the regional here and hopefully the super regional. And then the next game after that, the next game would be Omaha. And from the beginning of the year, I have felt like Mississippi State was an Omaha team. It was just a matter of finding a second pitcher. You know, we felt like Peyton Plumley could give us, you know, some weekend starts. Uh, and to be honest with you, it's taken a little while for Peyton to find it, but he has found it. We didn't know JT Ginn would step in and be as good as he's been. Uh, but we've got a very solid one-two punch, and now Peyton Plumley's beginning to throw the best baseball of his career. And so excited about where things stand right now. Excited about the fact that this is a team offensively that is pretty much performing up to expectations. We felt like with everybody we had coming back that this team would be among the league leaders offensively, and they have been. We don't have all the power numbers, perhaps, that uh, you know that some other teams do, but the bottom line is, is that this isn't a lineup you can't take a lot of outs off. There's not... There's not an at bat. There's not an, a spot in the order you look at and say, okay, this is they're giving us an out right here. There are times when some guys have been up and down, but you find a way to play through it. And just like with Elijah Magnamy, you know he was four for 35 in his previous 10 games. And he comes up with a couple of huge doubles and none bigger than the one he had, uh, you know, to drive in two runs, which ultimately proved to be the game winner. Uh, it's a you know it's an advantage count, and he's looking for a fastball away. And rather than try to pull the ball out of the ballpark, what does he do? He hits it where it is. They throw it outside. He he drags his hands a little bit, and he absolutely crushes that ball to right center. Everybody scores, and then you go home happy. And that's you know that's what we expect from Mac. And this is his time of year. This is when 
Magnum, he really started getting going last year. You remember he had the big series against Florida. That carried over into the regionals and into the super regionals. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. When you've got a team that has guys up and down the order one through nine, you know, when you do go through slumps like that, you've got other people that can elevate their game. And speaking of elevating, Tanner Allen had a, he really struggled against Texas A&M, all those lefties, and then uh, has a four for four night on Wednesday. So, again, it's a team game. And uh, Jordan Westberg has struggled a little bit as of late. I, I suspect we'll see him get going. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss will throw some right-handers this weekend. They've, they've got some talented guys, and we're going to get into to breaking down the Rebels. Uh, but this is a, a very, very even series. I believe Mississippi State is the better team because State has elite pitching for the most part. State's got a couple of guys that are frontline pitchers. Uh, and so I think when you look at it, this is a series that State should be able to win the ball game. you got to defend well. you got to defend well. And you got to go out there and, and throw strikes because when State is at their best, it's when they're making people hit their way on. You know, one of the reasons that the starting pitching was so good last weekend is we look back and say, man, how great it was. You know, you only had the three walks. If I'm not mistaken, three walks in, in three games. And one of those was an absolute joke. Braden Shoemaker was struck out and uh, got the hometown call on a full count against JT Ginn. But the bottom line is this. If you go out there and you throw strikes and you force contact, especially when you've got guys – you know, like Peyton Plumley, that are going to throw that sinking fastball and they're going to have you beat the ball on the ground. And all of a sudden, it's not going to be a fast track because, in fact, it's going to be a little bit damp, and that really plays into the strength of the defense. It gives them an opportunity to, you know, to fill those balls where sometimes when it's a drier surface, that ball will shoot right on through into the end of the outfield. But when uh, when it's a little bit wet out there, that ball is going to, it's, it's going to stay down a little bit for you. And so as a result, you got to play good defensively, but you're going to have an opportunity to make those plays. Let's uh, thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Bulldog Burger Company, uh, an absolute joy to work with. Those uh, those folks have done such a great job since they've been here in Starville. And it's really kind of an offshoot of a restaurant family that you know. So it's not surprising that Bulldog Burger Company has done exceptionally well here in Starville. And you guys have embraced Bulldog Burger Company and made it part of your game day routine. We encourage you to come even when it's not a game day, especially this time of year, you know, because it, you, you're not going to have to fight for a table, Okay. Uh, but when the kids are looking for something cool to do and you're looking for a road trip, maybe just to kind of get out and enjoy being together, come on over to Starville and shop at some of our great local shops. But go eat at Bulldog Burger Company. Find your own favorites. Try the new one. They, they have a new burger. If, if, you've, if you've done the Boneyard Bulldog Burger Challenge, I don't know if a few of you have, there's a new one called the Lauren. Go in there and ask for the Lauren and give that one a shot and go ahead and you know, mark that off your box, you know, your, your, your checklist there. Bulldog Burger Company the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District. It's also the place in Stark where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's look at the Rebels. And uh, it's one of the things, too, as uh, intense as this season has been, we really haven't had to kind of think so much about them. I don't know about you, but really the only time that I have thought about Ole Miss is when they have lost a ball game or when we have played them. I have not uh, – I had – frankly, I had to do some research. I know some of the names – uh, but it's one of those things where when we're doing well, it's so nice just to kind of focus on Mississippi State, if you understand what I'm saying. It's like so being on the road and having a chance to kind of travel the team and kind of get to know things, you get so hemmed up in what's going on in Maroon White. You don't worry so much about what's going on up the road. And so uh, we're going to get ready to play those guys. And uh, a very, very talented team. And, and, you know, that's you know people get hung up on recruiting rankings. But here's the deal. You know, the production has to match the potential. You know, there are a lot of people out there that have a lot of accolades. So they're five, you know, four and five star kids, whatever, uh, or they're five tool players in baseball. And then for some reason they get to college and it just doesn't come together. And you guys remember when Hunter Renfro was here, you know, he was kind of up and down until that junior year, and then it all kind of came together. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with Dakota Hudson. You know, Dakota Hudson, I think, had only thrown 12 career innings before he became a first round draft pick, and uh, we kind of felt like he was on the verge of a big year. Maybe got a little more than we bargained for with him. Uh, back in 2016. But uh, when you look at this Ole Miss lineup, and uh, the, one of the things that jumps out to me is four double-digit home run guys. And uh, a lot of those home runs are at home, and guess what? We're playing them at home. I, I'm mistaken there. Three guys with double-digit home runs. And that's uh, Cole Zabowski, Tyler Keenan, and uh, Thomas Dillard. Very familiar with Thomas Dillard. That, that, that guy has hit some absolute, you know, Ruthian-type blast. If you miss with a breaking ball, hang a breaking ball to him on the inner half, he will absolutely mash you for it. But um, they do hit the long ball, and they're kind of built for that ballpark. And so that's why your pitching is going to be at a premium here. You're going to have to make sure you don't elevate pitches and you don't give them anything in the wheelhouse because 
the last thing you need is to get those guys going, get that crowd going. And even though our team has a lot of confidence and a lot of moxie, and they can battle through some of that stuff. The bottom line is you never want to give the home crowd something to cheer about. Uh, but the guy that kind of makes things goes, goes for them is uh, Greg Kessinger. He's a junior uh, Oxford guy. Uh, has had a great career, started all 49 games for them, leads them in batting average at 355, uh, 71 hits on the season, which is a, uh, a team high, and it's an absolute doubles machine, 17 doubles, uh, four homers, 39 RBIs. You know, and uh, he is he's a big-time player. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, you know, when you look at them and their lineup, you know, when State played them back in Pearl, you know, he was the guy that State had a little trouble getting him out. You know, he's the one that had the, had the big RBI early in the ball game. Uh, so you know, not just a uh, table setter for them by any stretch of the imagination. He is a guy that is a run producer and, and a must out in the lineup. He's a guy you always have to account for. Not huge power numbers, but he is a guy that's going to put the ball in play more times than not. Also, speedy guy, 14 or 15 on stolen bases this year. That, that that's outstanding. Uh, Ryan Olnick, and it seems like I'm, I'm sure when people think about Jake Mangum, when they look at Mississippi State, I kind of look at. Ole Miss and feel the same way about Ryan Olnick. It feels like he has been there forever. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's still there, you know, playing center field. Got banged up a little bit this year, missed some time. Uh, currently hitting 351, uh, 44 games played. Like I mentioned, he did, did miss a few ball games. He got banged up, crashed into an outfield wall earlier this year. Uh, 61 hits, 12 doubles, a triple, and one home run. He's not a guy that you, you – know, if you miss with him – you're kind of okay. He's he's not a guy that can that can turn the game on one swing, but he is a guy that is very very difficult to to punch out. He's not a guy that is going to give you a whole lot. Just 16 strikeouts uh, on the year, which is by far the lowest among the starters on that team. Just 16 strikeouts, and so he's going to put the ball in play. He doesn't hit into a lot of double plays because he he is fa- he's fast. That while there's some guys on this team like Servideo and Kessinger that are really fast. Olenek is fast enough, so you, you can't you kind of have that slow turn at second. You're going to be able to uh, probably more times than not extend the inning with him because it's very difficult to double him up. Uh, Cole Zabowski is a guy that I know they're really high on. 316 batting average, played all 49 games this year, 59 hits, 13 doubles, 10 home runs, 40 RBI. Uh, that 40 RBI, that, that, that's, a, that's a loud number. That, that really is a loud number, and, and it's all about getting people in front of him on base. But, uh, you know, he's a guy, another guy – a little susceptible to the strikeout, you know, and uh, 43 strikeouts, which uh, leads the team, not by a substantial margin, but you know, but you get that with power guys, you know what I'm saying? There're gonna be some power guys that kind of gas up and try to hit one over the fence, and so as a result, sometimes you either you gas it by him or uh, or you fool him. But uh, he is a guy that'll that'll strike out. It's kind of difficult to walk him. Just 16 walks this year, uh, so not necessarily a great eye. But when he is a guy, once he puts the ball in play, generally good things happen for them. Uh, Tyler Keenan is a guy just hitting over 300, right at 301, 56 hits on the year, but uh, some power with him for sure. You know, six doubles, 11 home run, 55 RBI. And that 55 RBI leads a team. Uh, so he is a guy when when he's facing your guy in the stretch with runners on base. Obviously, he's uh, he's opportunistic to say the least. He's also a guy that you know that got a pretty good eye for the plate. Thirty-three walks, uh, has struck out thirty-seven times, and you can double him up a little bit. You know, he he is one of those guys because he puts the ball in play so much. You know, he'll beat the ball on the ground for you. But uh, again, a guy it's very dangerous. If you make a mistake with him, he will absolutely hurt you. One of the most intriguing guys on the team is this Anthony Anthony Servideo. Uh, he, he's quick and fast. You know, a lot of baseball players that you know, have good quickness around the bases and good first step, but not great straight line speed. That's not the case with Servideo. He's a guy that can really, really run. He has uh, 19 of 20 in stolen bases, and his one caught stealing came against Mississippi State when he uh, stole third in a double steal. as part of a double steal. And uh, I look back on it, it's still kind of perplexing that they had a left-handed hitter up, and so Dustin Skelton had a clean uh, line of sight and throws down to uh, to, to third base, and uh, Marshall Gilbert makes a tag there, and he was out substantially. Uh, and so... I don't know that I really hold that against their video as, as the fact that it really kind of plays against the, the commonality of baseball. You, you, you traditionally don't try to steal third with two outs in an inning, and you certainly don't do it with a left-handed hitter at the plate. It's, there's just a lot of the rules of baseball that were broken there, and uh, the baseball guys are watching. That's kind of how that works. Thomas Dillard's a guy that a lot of people are really excited about. His numbers are off a little bit. You know, I think a lot of people expect him to take a big jump this year. Uh, but all the, of all the guys in the lineup, he's, he really scares me. And what I mean by that is he's such a great mistake hitter. 
Uh, he's not a great defender, but you've got to find a way to get his bat in the order. But he's one of those guys that they kind of rally off of him, if you know what I'm saying. Like, so when he is rolling, they're rolling. And so you've got to kind of manage him. He did a great job, you know, State uh, back on that Tuesday night game. State put the shift on and uh, pitched into the shift, and then he still found a way to go the opposite way and line a ball in left field. Uh, so he's not just a power guy. He's a guy that can handle the bat pretty well. Uh, but I like Thomas Dewar. I think he's a good player. He's not a plus defender, but he is a guy that uh, if you make a mistake, he he can change the game. Uh, 295 batting average this year, played in all 49 games, uh, 51 hits. That's a pretty good number there. 10 home runs, 43 RBI, uh, 45 walks too, which uh, which leads a team. And for a guy that's a power guy, that that is a that's an that's a a very very surprising number. But I think some of that too is because people are kind of pitching around him. People understand. If you hang a breaking ball to him, you know, you're not getting it back. You're not going to have an opportunity to come back later and say, okay, my bad. Uh, so there are some people I know that are going to be careful with him. And uh, surprisingly, 12 of 13 stolen bases. Very opportunistic guy there. So when you look at that order, and I've got some other guys. I know they're big on Cooper Johnson and uh, Kevin Graham and some other. But um, this is one of those teams, really, when you get when you get into the bottom third of that order, you got to be able to get fat. And that's what really hurt them last week against LSU uh, I mean, which hurt the Tigers because Ole Miss, especially in that Sunday game, they got a lot of production in the bottom third of their order. And the next thing you know, the game kind of gets away from LSU. Yes, LSU came back and made it interesting late, but it seemed like every big rally started with the bottom third of that order. Uh, and that's a big part of things. I mean, that's when you're this time of year, you need people to step up and be that great third starter for you or give you production in the bottom third of your order. And uh, Ole Miss is playing pretty well. And that's one of the things you look at and you think about, okay, it seems like they've kind of flown under the radar a little bit because they've had some losses that have been you know, kind of inexplicable. And you, you think, okay, are you serious? You know, Which is true. They've, they've lost some games they shouldn't have lost. And I know that has led to a lot of the angst from Ole Miss fans. But we've got an SEC play just when you think it's over for them they always find a way to rally back. I mean, it's like when you look, you know, they they lose two games at Louisville, Kentucky, and Louisville's got a great team this year. They lose two games up there, 4-3, 10-8, and then they get into league play. They take two out of three from Alabama, and everybody's like, well, you know, Alabama's not very good, which is true. That's true. But you get two out of three, and then you come back, and then you lose the series at Mizzou. And at the time... Missouri was expected to be bottom of the East, but down with Kentucky. Now, they've, they've played much better as of late. And so, in hindsight, that series loss doesn't look so bad. But at the time, it really looked bad. Then you come home and you take uh, – pardon me. Then you go to Fayetteville and take two out of three from Arkansas. And that really kind of turned Arkansas around. And of the, the Ole Miss weekends, this is the one. This is, this is the one you look at, and this is the one that really stands out. They lose that first ball game five to three. They come back and win on Saturday four three, and then Sunday ten to five. That was a loud series win for Ole Miss, and I think it really kind of speaks to their coaching staff as well as their talent. But it also shows too with what happened next that um, there is some maturing left to happen with this team. And yeah, you've got some young pitchers, but you would you did you wouldn't expect a team with as many juniors and seniors as they have. To come out and then lose to South to North Alabama, ten to six, and even and, and that's a ball game that you know, North Alabama had a lead and then nearly lost it and then took the lead back out. But just when you think Ole Miss is done, they come right back and they take three from Florida, and they were loud wins too. I mean, I mean, I mean Ole Miss put up double digit runs every single game. Then you go knock off Southern Miss and put together another another double digit game, and then just when Ole Miss fans are feeling great. You host Kentucky and Nick Mangione, and you lose two out of three. They end up having to play a doubleheader to two sevens on Sunday, and you lose them both. And then you score just three runs in those ball games against a Kentucky staff outside of their ace. They're you know they're pretty challenged. So then you come back and and uh, you beat Memphis and lose two out of three on the road at Auburn. And at that point, I think a lot of people felt Ole Miss will fade. This will be it. Okay, this is it. They lose to Kentucky at home. They go to Auburn. They'll fade. And I think we all expected that. And, and then, of course, they, they go to Pearl, and State beats them 8-1. to one. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, the second half of that ball game, it was not competitive. I mean, there, there were a lot of at-bats where it just simply looked like Ole Miss was outclassed. That's how it looked. 
And so a lot of their fans take the message boards and they get out there and say, you know, social media, it's over, fire Bianco, and then the team rallies. They go come back and they get A&M with all those left-handers, right? <laughs> and Ole Miss, that's the book on Ole Miss. Is they say, well, you know, they can't hit lefties. And then A&M trots out all those left-handers and Ole Miss sweeps them. Sweeps them. And a 13-3 game on, on Friday in the middle game of the series. Absolutely embarrassed number six A&M. So then they win that, and you think, wow, okay, maybe they're not dead and buried yet. And then what do they do? They go lose to Southern Miss and Hattiesburg. They bounced back last weekend, take two out of three. Very easily could have lost two out of three, but they didn't. They found a way to win. And uh, and that's one thing I mentioned on Monday's show. You know, when uh, when LSU scored six in the ninth to tie the ball game, it's one of those deals you begin to kind of think, okay, this is just destiny. LSU will find a way. But that's not what happened. Ole Miss battled back in the top of ten and put up four runs and put the game away. They had every opportunity to fold, and, and, and to be fair with you, if they had lost that ball game, I, I think it really is very detrimental to their hosting opportunities now that they've played their way back into that. And that's what makes this weekend series, and there's some people saying, well, you know, they could be a national seed. You know, I, I think Ole Miss has to sweep the, sweep the remainder of the season for that to be a real possibility but because of the fact that the weight of those non-conference losses uh, kind of hurts the RPI and going to hurt the strength of schedule. Uh, but the bottom line is this. It is a huge, huge series. Ole Miss will travel to, to uh, Arkansas State on Tuesday, just so you guys know, and take on Tommy Raffo and, and the Red Wolves, and that hadn't always been the easiest of trips for them. And then they will travel to Knoxville and take on a really good pitching staff. And Tennessee will have a lot to play for. So when you look at what Ole Miss has left on the schedule, you've got number five Mississippi State, and then a road trip at Arkansas State, and then a road trip to Knoxville. And we've been up there. And so if you begin to look at this, you know, Ole Miss could be in a situation where they could win six or seven games down the stretch. They're also in a situation where they could lose five or six games down the stretch. This is kind of the defining stretch of their season. They've been up and down. They were up last weekend. Our hope is they're down this weekend. Uh, But looking at their pitching, you know, pretty good idea of how that's going to work, you know, for them. Not a lot of mystery with that. Uh, They'll throw Will Will Etheridge on Friday. Uh, Will is a, I guess, five-and-four guy, five-and-four won his last start. Doug Nikhazy, freshman guy, left-handed pitcher, will throw him Saturday. Uh, six and three guy. And then uh, another young guy they're really excited about, Gunnar Hogg. he's pitching an awful lot, only got the one and one record to show for it. But uh, his uh, season long was six innings at A&M. And Nikhazy, I believe, had seven innings at A&M. So that's pretty much where they are. They don't have what you would consider elite arms. And if you look at the pitching numbers, they, with the games they've won, they've kind of won it with the bullpen. They, 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 they kind of depend on offense and defense and, uh, and and kind of find a way to get next to you. But uh, they don't have that guy that's just going to come out there and throw a seven, eight you know, innings of one-hit baseball. That, that's just not kind of how they're built. And I think with this Mississippi State offense, you're going to have an opportunity to score some runs. Uh, the hope is, is that the Mississippi State starting pitching can be as good as it has been the last two weekends and you can kind of hold this Ole Miss offense down. And uh, that's difficult to do in their own ballpark. But I, I think when you begin to kind of look at this deal and shape the things up, that it's actually a pretty favorable matchup for Mississippi State because LSU, pardon me, Ole Miss is going to throw, uh, you know, a couple of right-handers, which will enable Jake Mangum and Rowdy Jordan to hit from the left-handed side of the plate. Uh, so that's big. And also, too, the way Tanner Allen has been swinging the bat, uh, you know, against, against right-handers. Uh, pretty excited about that, and, and he mentioned in post game on Wednesday that you know that he he came and spent some extra time in the cage trying to get on top of the baseball and and not elevating everything. And so uh, I'm excited about where things stand, and uh, I'm excited about you know the, the team showing up there and having a good day. And uh, I if I if I were a betting man, I'm not, but if I were, I would suspect it will play one tonight and probably two Sunday. That's that's just kind of. Looking at the radar, and I'm and listen. I, I hate these. Uh, uh, hate's a strong word. I strongly dislike the uh, Facebook meteorologist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we're a week out from the ball game, and everybody's like, "Oh, we're probably not going to be able to play next week yet." And that and that that happens every single week. This week, it's there's some truth to some of this. There is some validity to those concerns about the weather, because uh, it's, it's expected to rain most of the weekend in North Mississippi. But uh, I know Ole Miss wants to get the ball games in. Mississippi State wants to get the ball games in. Both teams are playing for a lot. Uh, and so we want to continue to kind of move up in the pecking order here. State needs this series in the worst way. And, and that's one of those things when you look at this series could be the difference in being, you know, 
top eight national seed or, or not. And and I hate to kind of be you know have add some hyperbole to all this thing, but I think it's one of those deals where if you go up there and take care of business with what you have on a schedule next week, I, even if you go three and one next week, I think you're great. I, the the last thing you can do is go up there and get swept at Ole Miss. I think that that really 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 hurts you and put you in a situation where you're going to have to probably go win some games in Hoover. The best thing for State would be to go win the series and then win, you know, three or four games next week. And I think that just I think that pretty much proves your point. I don't think you have to really do anything in Hoover at that point, you know, to kind of prove that uh, that you're a big-time team. You know, maybe you go over there and win one game in Hoover and come home. But, um, but the bottom line is Mississippi State needs to go get a couple wins this weekend. That's what needs to happen. Let's look around the league here before we get out of here. Again, a busy weekend in the league, as you would expect. Some big, big matchups. Uh, Tennessee and Florida, they'll get together. Florida, 29-21, and 21, and at best, they can finish 500 in the league this year. They're going to host this weekend, but all the talk early on about Florida being a national championship contender, that, that's been out the window long ago. It looks like now not only will the Gators not host – the Gators may not make the field. Let that sink in for a second. May not make the field. I don't know what's happened. They're pitching. They're falling apart. They're giving up big-time runs every single ball game, every weekend. But uh, Kevin O'Sullivan's a great coach. But uh, his efforts are going to be challenged tremendously this weekend and down the stretch. They're, but here's the thing about Florida is they're so talented and they're so young and so resilient they this is a team that could go to Hoover and get to the, the regional final. I mean, get, get to the, the, the tournament final. I mean, that's I, – I would not – I wouldn't count that out at all. Georgia's at Auburn this weekend. That, that's a huge series for both teams. Georgia right now is uh, projected as one of four top eight national seeds from the Southeastern Conference. In order to stay there, they're going to need to win this series on the road at Auburn. Auburn has been a little bit better as of late, even though they lost a ball game to uh, to UAB earlier this week. You know, Auburn's getting Tanner Burns back, and uh, that's big news. That's big news. But this uh, Auburn Georgia series, probably, if pitching is your uh, is your uh, your sweet spot, that's going to be the series to watch because there's going to be some big time arms on display uh, in that in that ball game for sure. And if we're in rain delay, it might be one that you, you, you turn in and watch. A and M is on the road at Tuscaloosa. You got to expect A and M to bounce back here. Uh, A&M uh, did not play a midweek game. Alabama knocks off Troy 7-3 on the road at Troy. And a uh, little known fact, you actually can drive from Troy to Mississippi State. It is possible to do it. I have done it multiple times. Uh, but A&M, of course, uh, they're looking to play their way into a hosting opportunity. Being a national seed, that's probably, that, that ship has probably already sailed. Uh, but, you know, now that State's beating them, you know, listen, uh, congratulations, Aggies. Uh, go get them. And uh, I hope we don't see those guys again, even though we should have swept them. Uh, Kentucky and South Carolina. I mentioned earlier how big this series is for both teams. They're 24 and 24, both of them. The winner of this series, of course, kind of gets a leg up on going to Hoover. The loser, not so much. I expect Kentucky to win the series, even though it's at Columbia, South Carolina. But the, the Gamecocks are going to come out desperate playing for their postseason lives. Uh, they lost the ball game earlier this week to Furman, 7-4, while Kentucky took down uh, Indiana, 5-2. So if, you just, you know, if you're looking at recent trends, you got to kind of favor Kentucky here. And, and listen, Mingeon and the Wildcats are looking to rebuild up there. Uh, they need to find a way to get to Hoover. Probably, probably not much more beyond that. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think there's any question of them. Unless, unless they win the SEC tournament, they don't have the pitching to do that. But uh, this weekend – must win, must win series for Kentucky. Uh, LSU and Arkansas began playing last night. Arkansas knocked off LSU 14 to four in Fayetteville. Uh, the folks at Arkansas feel about LSU like many of you do. They're not not big fans, and LSU always seems to find a way to win that series. Arkansas with an emphatic win last night, and LSU has seemed to have fallen apart without Cole Henry on their weekend rotation. It's like it has taxed the whole staff, and so as a result, um, they're figuring some things out. So, you know, we'll see what happens today. But Arkansas right now has all of the momentum. That They woke up after that Ole Miss series loss. We know what they did when the Bulldogs came to town. They're a scary team right now, 38-12. and 12. I would not want to play them right now. I wouldn't mind playing them on a neutral field, but I, I don't want to play them in Fayetteville. 
Uh, that, that's just I'm, I'm, that's a very difficult place to play. It really, really is. We mentioned the State Ole Miss series, and then Missouri's at Vanderbilt. Uh, we'd love for Missouri to be able to get a game from Vanderbilt. We'd love for Missouri to be able to sweep Vanderbilt, but I don't expect that to happen. But they'll, they'll get underway. Uh, Missouri did not have a midweek. Vanderbilt knocked off Louisville 6-2. And so big, big weekend, and uh, there will be there will be a shakeup in the standings this weekend. This is when things really kind of – everything matters right now. But there will be some teams that will make a move – this week, and the hope is that Mississippi State can be one of those. Now, Vanderbilt right now, 18-6 and six in the league. Arkansas is probably the only team that can catch them. You know, barring, barring a, you know, Vanderbilt dropping a series and being swept somewhere, I mean, I really think it's going to boil down to Arkansas. Arkansas now 18-7 and seven in the league. Uh, but the bottom line is, you know, State 15-9, three games out of first place with six to play. It's just, you know, I think we need to go ahead and resign to ourselves. We're not going to win the SEC as we had hoped, dropping that series at Arkansas the way we did kind of removed us uh, from contention in hindsight. But the bottom line is this, is what we really want to be is a top eight national seed. So we, and we want to be able to finish in the top four in the SEC. That helps us, but also, too, it helps us avoid playing on day one in Hoover. And uh, then we go over there and kind of get our pitching lined out, and then we get ready to come home and host a regional. So that's what we're playing for now. But 15-9 uh, and nine in the league I've mentioned before that I believe 18 and 12 gets you in the conversation as a top eight national seed. I believe 19 and 11 locks it up for you. So four wins over the final six conference games I think puts Mississippi State where you want to be. But I really believe if you if you want to get greedy, if State can win this weekend and sweep next weekend, given that gives you 20 wins, that makes you 20 and 10. And uh, not only does that lock you in as a national seed. I, th- I think it gets you, it keeps you in the top half. I think it gets you in the top four in the NCAA tournament, which just makes for an easier path uh, to the College World Series. And so, feel really good about where things stand right now. May not feel that way Monday. You know, that's the thing about baseball. You know, it's we, we you, you never know what you're going to get. You know, we'll, we'll have a team sometimes, uh, you know, a- after what happened in Arkansas, people thought the Bulldogs are dead and buried and you come home and sweep Georgia who many people were expecting to win the Southeastern Conference. There are many people, because of the fact they had power arms and the fact that they had had a big start early on, they were going to win the series in Starville and kind of cruise on to an SEC championship. And um, that was not the case. And uh, this Bulldog, I like this team. I like these Bulldogs in Mississippi State. There's just there's a special quality about them because they believe in each other. Just, there just doesn't seem to be any envy on the team. You know, the, the, the biggest fans that Jake Mangum have outside of his family are his teammates. They love that guy. And it's the same thing for Elijah McNamee and Tanner Allen. They're, they're a very, very tight group, and uh, and they, they cheer for each other. They understand they're playing for something bigger than themselves. They're playing for Mississippi State. They're playing for a national championship. And I had a chance to visit with Dustin Skelton. And last year after Mississippi State won the regional Tallahassee, he smiled cock his head to the left and says, listen, guys, uh, we're not here just to win a regional. Uh, we want to go to Omaha and win the College World Series. We want to go win a national championship. And I think a lot of people were scared to say that. And, and when he said it, I think there are a lot of people that were thinking, okay, come on, Dusty. You know, listen, you, you guys began the season. You got swept by, by Southern Miss, and you know, you're 2-7 and seven in the league after nine. You got, you know, you're a 500 record after that LSU series. I mean, come on. You guys are playing over your heads. But they believed in each other. And they they darn near won the national championship, right? One, really, one game away from getting to that. If if you beat Oregon State and you face Arkansas, a team that you swept, you know, who knows what will happen. But there was nobody this time last year that thought, you know what, we're fixing to go on a tear here, a historic tear that is going to feature some of the greatest highlights in program history. This year, there are real expectations. This year, we came in expecting to get back to Omaha. And now we're on the verge of playing our way into doing that. And the next step on the on the on the journey is, is Oxford, Mississippi. I would be remiss if I did not talk about the uh, recent decommitments in, in the uh, Mississippi State college football recruiting class. We um, we see Alex Adams from South Pike High School and Ladetrick Le, Le, Griffin from Philadelphia. They call him Tulu over there. The tornadoes do. Uh, a little bit. Uh, Suspicious to me. I'll just I'll give you my opinion. You know, there are a lot of things I think that maybe I don't know, but uh, the timing of the decommitments are, are amazing to me because it does not fit the dialogue. And of course, you know, and here's the thing: when uh, 
when some of the Ole Miss media people get really chummy about an in-state kid, I figure it's because they've got an inside source, and I don't mean one that's that, uh, on the Ole Miss coaching staff. So you can draw that what you will. But when they start to get a little confident about that sort of thing, and, and listen, and again, I'm going to be as nice about it as I can. You know, some of those people are one step beneath the National Enquirer. But when there is some collective confidence, it's something that always kind of piques my interest. But the Alex Adams thing, I have heard for some time that uh, you know, that there were some people around him that felt like he might have rushed a decision. Not that they were anti-Mississippi State, but it's just like he commits to Mississippi State, and all of a sudden, you know, LSU and several other schools offer, and they they feel like that Mississippi State would still be there. That if he took some time this summer to get out and go visit some schools and meet with some coaches and, and work out with some uh, some programs, that he might feel differently. And that Mississippi State would still probably be willing to take him uh, should he decide to come back, you know, say around September or so. And I don't know that's the case. I think it's a dangerous game to play. But I, I have heard for some time that there were some people close to him that just felt like, you know what, you owe it to yourself to go through the process. Yes, you committed early. No, I know, I know you don't want to back off of that. But the reality of things, this is a lifetime decision. This is not just picking a team. This is not just, you know, picking a coach. This is a lifelong decision. So... Maybe take some time. The uh, the Griffin thing is a little more complicated, I think, because you know Mississippi State has some history there in Philadelphia, right? I mean, so when you look at what Josh Boyd did at Mississippi State in comparison to what some other guys did when they went elsewhere, uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that Josh Boyd made a good decision for himself. Josh Boyd made the right call. Uh, but when you look at the Griffin thing, Mississippi State obviously has needs an influx of talent at wide receiver. Michael Johnson's already uh, developed a great rapport with with Griffin, and and, you know, and Paul Jones and I both have been in touch with him in recent weeks. Did not hint that there was any unrest within the Griffin household that they were happy. Now, listen, there have been some recent trips to Oxford, you know, and that's one of the things I know some of our fans kind of freak out about. It's what they've committed to us. Why are they visiting other places? You know, that's the thing when kids commit in the spring. They're they're going to go to Junior Day. And they're going to go to camps. And so you might as well go ahead and get prepared for it. And a lot of times when you take an early commitment as a coaching staff, you're kind of shining a light on them and kind of showing everybody else, especially when you do it before the spring evaluation period. Because all those coaches are looking, who do, who do I need to go see when I'm out there? Well, oh, well, that kid's committed to Mississippi State. Let's go check them out. And so that's the risk you run by taking extremely early commitments is that once you get through the spring evaluation period, they're going to be on a lot more people's radar. And as a result, they're going to have a lot more offers. And so things get a little more convoluted. And so the best thing to do is just continue to work. And uh, one of the things that I have said many times, I would rather find out now that a kid is unsure than find out in, you know, December 1st. You know, you've got time. you still got your summer camps. you still got two more weeks of the spring evaluation period. And so you've got plenty of time. But the optics on this, anytime you lose an in-state commitment, that, that's never a good thing. That's never a good look, no, no matter the circumstances. And there are some people out there, and listen, I read the social media pages. I, I do. And a lot of times I just, you know, just want to have a finger on the pulse of what the fan base is feeling. You know, what, what, that kind of helps us kind of you know, push our content stuff. We kind of know. You know. If you guys are fired up about baseball, we need to cover a lot of baseball stuff. If you're fired up about women's hoops, we need to have more women's hoop stuff. You know, but, but I keep up with that. And there are some people out there, their, their first inclination, anytime something negative happens, is to blame Mississippi State. The first thing we want to do is find somebody at Mississippi State to blame, as if somehow if we were in charge, this would not have happened. Well, let me tell you, especially when it comes to college football recruiting instead of Mississippi, there are always a lot of moving parts to this thing. Always, 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 always. There are always going to be you know subplots, and there's going to be – you know, people that have cousins and uncles that, that, that you are unaware of that have connections to other programs. I mean, that's just the reality of things. And there, it's, it makes for high theater in the state of Mississippi. It just does. You know, we, we just got through with a, um, you know, pretty wild stretch between State and Ole Miss when it came to recruiting, you know, for years. And, uh, you know, now that I think some people have, uh, have kind of taken it on the chin a couple times, yeah, they're, they're, they're ready to get back in the game, you know. And so – it's going to make for an interesting stretch run, but we are, you know, what, seven seven months and a week away from uh, the first signing period. There's a lot of water to pass on the bridge between now and then. 
And listen, there's not, there's nothing to say that uh, these guys don't come back and, and recommit to Mississippi State. I can't call it right now, but uh, I will say that it is concerning when I find out that you know these guys have uh, you know taken you know unofficial visits to Ole Miss and that sort of stuff, and then all of a sudden, within basically an hour of each other, they announce their decommitments, and uh, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. But a lot of times, college football recruiting doesn't. But the bottom line now is let's uh, we'll focus on baseball, and we'll get ready to go win a series. Because here's the deal, and uh, I know this is kind of a, a germane concept to many people, is that regardless of what some other people tell you, what happens on the field is what matters most. Because recruiting is part of the bigger picture. Okay, They don't hand out the trophy for being the recruiting national champions. They hand out the trophy for being the national champions. And you win that on the field. And yes, recruiting is the lifeblood of that program. But there are a lot of people out there that like recruiting more than actual sports because they're not very good at the sports. As I said many times, you know, when uh, when these recruiting rankings and the offer sheets and all are propped up, you're really doing your coaches a disservice. Because all of a sudden you paint this this picture that's untrue, this false narrative that you that you share. And then when the guy doesn't pan out, when he actually performs up to his uh, his abilities, rather than your expectations, and all of a sudden they think, well, you know, how can we be losing with all of this talent? Well, the truth of the matter is, is you don't have the talent you think you do. It's just been propped up by a false narrative. And so focus on what matters. And what matters is the scoreboard. What matters is the win-loss total. What matters is advancing in the postseason. Yes, recruiting is a huge part of things, but it is the sideshow to the real show, and that involves winning ball games on all fronts. Well, folks, that's going to do it for today. We'll be back on Monday. Hopefully, it is a victory Monday. Hopefully, we are celebrating a huge series win over a very good Ole Miss baseball team. Uh, my hope is that's the case and that we get some help around the league and uh, improve our postseason resume and pecking within the league. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.